This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church, as part of the 2023 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Many of us are tired. Lord, it's, it's, it's a little hot in here. It's easy to be comfortable. It's easy to uh, just, just kind of fade right now. Father, I pray that you would give us all attention. God, that you would help us give ourselves to your word, Father. And that you would help us to understand why Mark is so powerful. Why Jesus is so worth spending an entire eight weeks looking at him. Father, so would you bless this time, Lord. Help me to speak your truth, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so... Uh, first book in the Bible is Genesis, all right? And in the first book, chapter 1, God creates everything, all right? At the end of it, chapter 1 through 2, creates man and woman in his image. And Adam and Eve, man and woman, their, their role is to image, to display God's character and nature to the world. And God gives Adam and Eve a command. Be fruitful and multiply, meaning have children, make more image bearers, so that my image fills the entire world. So that I am glorified, so that everyone continually just sees more and more of little things. Okay? And then God gave Adam and Eve another command to have dominion, to rule the world, not with a domineering fist, but with justice, to rule righteously, to be good uh, uh, people who reign, right? And then God gave Adam a specific command in chapter 2. He put them, Adam and Eve, in a garden called Eden, and he gave them a command. Keep it and protect it. Work it. Make sure that this place grows and take, take my kingdom all throughout the world and then keep it, protect it, okay? And this is where a subtle turn. But what happened? God also told Adam and Eve, hey, you can have everything. I'm talking everything. You can have all the fruit, all the land. You can eat. You can go anywhere you want. You can do whatever you want, except one thing. Eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And many people think when they read this, man, God just wants to keep something from you, right? And if you read the text in chapter 2, that is not why God wanted them to do that. God said you will die if you eat of the tree. So the whole reason God prohibited them from doing that is because God wanted to be with them. He doesn't want you or I or anyone to die. He wants to be with us. But sadly, what happens? Adam and Eve doubt God's goodness. Adam and Eve believe, hey, we have more wisdom than you, and we're going we're gonna to partake and take. So they do. And it, it, it takes a soul turn, and it gets bad. They believe that God was withholding something. They believed that God did not want something good for them. And they rebelled. They turned away and trusted in their own ways. And that is what essentially sin is. It's not trusting God, thinking that you have more wisdom than him, and turning away from what he says to be true and making truth for yourself. It always leads in death and destruction. Therefore, after Adam and Eve rebelled, their relationship with God was broken. God, because he's so holy, you're going to hear about this word, holiness, and these theme trainings, it just means set apart. That God is so set apart from us. That he is so perfect, so transcendent, so magnificent. That he can't even 
dare to be in the presence of sin. So because God is good and holy, he has to enact justice. He has to separate himself uh, from Adam and Eve. So he kicks him out of the garden, and God curses the devil who uh, led him into the rebellion. God curses Adam, and then he curses Eve. And this is where our text, we pick up, and then we're going we're gonna to move quick through the whole Old Testament. Trust me. All right? So you put the Genesis 3.15. So in the midst of God's curse, I want you to see something incredible. Okay? Here's what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Between you, devil, and Eve, I'm going to put enmity. That means strife, contention, uh, a war, uh, a broken relationship. That you all are going to have some beef. Okay? I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring, devil, and Eve's offspring, he, this, this child that God is talking about, shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. Now, in the original language, you can just translate that word crush. So just think about this. Devil, you are going to crush this, this child's heel, but that child is going to crush your head. Now, you tell me, which one is a fatal blow? To the heel or to the head? To the head, right? Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to crush the heel. But there's going to become one who's going to crush your head. So in the midst of God's judgment, this is the first promise God makes here of redemption. Okay? So for all of history, for all of the Old Testament, for the rest of time, there is one question every single human being, all of the people of God, all of the Bible is asking. Who is it going to be? Who is going to be the one to rise up and crush the head? the devil. Will it be you? Will it be me? Will it be someone else? Like a drumbeat. That is the question everybody is yearning for the answer. But there's a problem. If you know anything about yourself, hopefully you have a dash of humility and you can admit this. You're not perfect. Guess what? Me too. What do we say? God is holy and someone only who is perfect and sinless can be in God's presence. So that should make you scratch your head already thinking, wait a second. <laughs> Who is it going to be? Who is this individual that is not only going to be holy, but is going to be perfect? Huh. But that's the question. Who is going to be the one to deliver God's people from the devil? Well, if you keep reading in the following pages, Adam and Eve have two sons, Cain and Abel, and you're like, dang, man, like God acted quickly. Like he is about to, he's about to free us already. Page two. Like, here it is. Nope. Cain kills Abel. And then another one, uh, uh, Adam and Eve have another child named Seth. And his name literally means in Hebrew, appointed one. And you're like, the appointed one is here. He's come. He's going to free us. Nope. Seth proves that he's imperfect. Sinner. And then you think, uh, and then you think of Noah, the famous story, Noah and the Ark, right? You've probably heard of it. His name literally means relief. And you're thinking, God is bringing relief to his people. He is acting swiftly. He has come to free his people. He is, the Bible says, a righteous man. He gets in the ark and you're like, here we go. He's restarting. Comes off the boat. Sin. Failure. Abraham. That, you know that, that patriarch, that the OG of the Old Testament? Like the guy who's like righteous Abraham, right? Made into the hall of faith that Chase talked about? Nope. Sinner. And then you got the, the priest Moses, who, have you ever heard of the Exodus where Moses frees God's people from this tyrant named Pharaoh? 
He is the, the righteous one, walks on dry land, and you're like, <laughs> here we go. We're going to the promised land. Like, freedom has come. Nope. Proves that he's a sinner and a rebel. Remember the, the next guy, Joshua? He literally takes the mantle for Moses, leads the people physically into the promised land. It's here. The kingdom of God has come. Nope. Joshua, failure. King David, you know that amazing guy? They, they established the kingdom, and this, this king actually reigns righteously. Like, he's doing good by the people. The people loved him originally. And it's amazing. All is well. Has an affair with a woman named Bathsheba. Murders her husband trying to cover it up. Baby at a wedlock. Sin. Rebel. And then after the kingdom of God is established, Israel is powerful. God is moving, modeling. Miracles are happening. These prophets are arising. And this great prophet named Elijah, right? Comes on the scene. I mean, that brother's just touching stuff with his dad. And everybody's like, it's him. Here he is. And you think, this is the one, the true prophet who's come from God to free God's people from sin and death. Nope. Sinner. In this dark cloud called the curse, because of sin, death is reigning. And all through history, like a drumbeat. And they died. And they died. And they died. And they died. You and me? And they died. Curse, rain. Taking everybody. And you're waiting, thinking, who is it going to be? God, bring relief to your people. In the last book of the Old Testament, between the New Testament, there's a 500 year silence. God says nothing. Nothing. And they're wondering, has God abandoned us? Are we not God's people anymore? Is there no hope for mankind? Has God, like the deists believe, washed his hands with us and says, figure it out? And it's silent. And then you get to the Gospel of Mark. And I want you to understand this so that when you read, you understand how powerful this moment is. You're going to read this tomorrow. The answer is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here's what happens. In Mark chapter 1, this is in your reading tomorrow, verses 14 through 15, it reads this. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into the Galilee proclaiming what? The gospel of God, the good news of God. What is that good news? The time is fulfilled. What is this time? It is that promise that was made at the foundation of the world. God will send one. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because God Almighty has come to free his people. Therefore, repent, turn from your sin, and believe in the gospel. Jesus is the one that all of history has been waiting for. Jesus is the one who actually was sinless and perfect. Peter says that Jesus committed no sin and neither was a seat found in his mouth. This is why it had to be him. Not you, not me, not Elijah, Moses, Noah, Abraham. None of those people. Why they couldn't do it. It had to be Jesus. So when you read the Gospel of Mark, I don't want you to just read and think, what kind of like wisdom can I glean from here? Like a like a fortune cookie. Man, these parables are just, I want to tattoo that on my body. Like that thing's fire, right? Like I want you to think, how does this show me and demonstrate who Jesus truly is? Like, who is this one that Jesus is saying he is? And I want you to take note of a few things. I want you to take note, how does Jesus 
proof that he is the one. Look at his miracles. Oftentimes at the end of a chapter in Mark, people will say something like this. Who is this one who teaches with such great authority? And the chapter ends and you're left on a cliffhanger. And Mark wants you to think the same question. And he wants you to answer that question along with the crowd. And then a chapter will end like this. Jesus will speak to the seas and they'll stop. And the question people say, who is this one that even the the seas and the wind obey him? No answer. Who do you say that is? Jesus will teach an incredible sermon. Powerful. And you'll see, who is this one? Jesus will come and he will raise a dead person. And you will sit there scratching your head thinking, wait, only God can do that. Jesus will say, your sins are forgiven. These Pharisees, these religious people will say something like, wait, 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 wait. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus won't answer. And it's an indirect answer. One plus one equals two. Who is this man? Only God can forgive sins. Your sins are forgiven. You tell me. And Mark is going to leave you on a cliffhanger over and over. And he's going to demonstrate over and over. And the whole goal for him is to prove to you and show you so that you can have confidence that Jesus is the one who fulfilled all that the Old Testament looked for, all that history has looked for. So I hope that that gives you an on-ramp. When you read tomorrow, slow down and think about what I'm telling you. Think about what the Bible is showing you. And take note answer the question, especially for those who would say, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I want you to really wrestle with who is Jesus. This and for those of you who are, I want you to I want you to ask questions. Why do I want to keep following him? Yeah. I'm telling you, as you dig, you will have more and more reasons why you want to give your life to him. So, I hope that is helpful and I hope that makes sense. So, my prayer, plainly put, for those of you who don't know him, my prayer by the end of the summer, our staff's prayer, is that you would answer just like Jesus you would look to the one who fulfilled all. Um, so let me pray for that, and then you can come out and close the <sighs> Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that it is living and active. God, thank you that you did not just leave us in our rebellion, that you did not wash your hands with us, God, that you continually gave us hope, God. In the midst of your judgment, you gave us hope. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, God. Help us to look to him all summer long. Help us to be transformed by your word to look more like Jesus, God. We ask this in his name. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2023 Summer Training Project, hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.